An amazing list of people. A lot of names. And what we're going to learn this morning is some of them, many of them, many. And messed up again, didn't it? Hopefully. I'm going to mute this for a second. While I'm doing that, I wanted to share with you that the list that we've discussed here that she just read has uh, several women named in it. It is unusual for a Jewish genealogy to have women listed. The genealogy of Jesus also is listed in Luke chapter 3. It goes all the way back to Adam. It has a lot more names on it. But what's distinct between the two lists is that this list brings it through David's son Solomon. The other list brings it through David's son Nathan. They all come back down to Joseph and Jesus. It's a double lineage, if you will. Doubly doubly, uh, connected to our beginnings with Adam. I think that's better. Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. I um, I don't like when things don't work properly, but it happens. We are in a sermon series now through the day before Christmas. These four Sundays called Identified. And I want to give you a little bit about what we deal with when our identity is gone awry. I don't know if you know this or not, but your behavior is an outgrowth of your identity. When your identity is unsure, you're not sure who you come from, who you are, why you matter, whether it even matters your place in the universe, you begin to flounder. And there are several ways we do that. Some with inner conflicts. And those inner conflicts can be anxiety with statements like, I don't really know who I am. Or depression. I have no hope for the future. Self-doubt comes from unsure of your identity when we say I am so inadequate. Or self-consciousness. I'm unacceptable and I'm unloved. Or low self-worth. I'm just not good enough. Those are uh, inner emotional conflicts we feel when our identity or we're not sure who we are is present. But there are outer conflicts, and you can see these in yourself and others in the way you behave. You may have difficulty in making a positive spiritual commitment. You may have unhealthy friendships. You may have an inability to make decisions or you're impulsive in your decision making. You may have a rejection of family values or a blind acceptance of values of other people, whether or not they're good or not. Difficulty in establishing intimacy with others. Another sign of a lack of identity is an excessive difficulty in choosing a career. Well, I don't know what I want to do type thing. And uh, the last one is an inability to set long-term goals. And all these are because you don't know for sure what you want or who you are or what you're all about. 
And that can be a problem. Would you agree? It surely is a mess. And those ideas about our identity, both internal and external ways that we show them, are present when you don't know who you belong to. It also is present when you don't know where you come from. And it's also present when you don't know if you have a connection to anything around you that matters to you. All this comes from our identity. One of the greatest things I learned in recent months was that there are different forms of depression and one of them is to not know who you are. An identity crisis can cause depression. If you don't know what you believe in, it's called a spiritual depression. Above and beyond, different than a kind that can be controlled by a change of season or weather or a loss or a biological depression. This spiritual depression comes from not knowing who you are. And so as we look at our identity over the next four Sundays, counting this one, we are going to look at four different ways that Jesus Christ has changed our identity and come to be with us so that that can change. Today, as we look at the message called Crafted, I have to share with you, I've been noticing a lot of different things about our histories. We have genealogy.com, family tree, all these different things. People trying to trace back their lineage. Two of my sisters uh, really involved in that and traced our family back to the 1700s, maybe even the 1600s on some aspects and 1500s. And they really want to fill in all the blanks so they know where they came from. That's good to know. But it's also, did you know this? I saw recently where you can get a DNA test done and find out your ethnic heritage. Did you know that? And it is 99% accurate. So if you don't know whether you're um, Italian or English or French or Russian in your background, this will tell you. And a lot of people pay money to find out. Why? I don't think it's because they're curious. I think we want to know where we came from who we are, that we're connected to something other than I was born to my mom and dad. We have kind of figured that part. But to know where we come from means that we're connected and we have a history. That we can know more about who we are by where we came from. And I want to say this, knowing who you are is important. Where you come from is essential to know. And whose you are is critical. If you don't know who you belong to, you'll belong to no one. Now me, I didn't know you knew this or not, I'm a son of my father. Did you know that? I reckon you all are too. A son or a daughter of your father. And did you know that your father was a son of somebody else? That would be your grandfather. And did you know he was the son of somebody else? This is not something we don't know, is it? But to go back and back and back, back all the way, we all wind up with the first man, Adam. All of us. Trace it all the way back, we find one guy. One guy started it all. However many greats that is, that's the one. Great million times or however many times it is, Grandfather Adam. 
And did you know, when you craft that line back to Adam, you can craft it forward through all the family lineages to everybody who's ever lived? Pretty neat, isn't it? There's a starting place for us. But you can also go forward through the Israelite lineage. If you look in Luke 3, as I mentioned, it goes all the way to Adam through David to Jesus. goes through Abraham as well. So, if you look at Jesus Christ and you look at His history, His lineage can be traced back to Adam. It can also be tracked back through David and Abraham and all those other folks we mentioned. God crafted and planned this long before it happened. Did you know God crafted your family tree as well? He had you in mind and how all those different lines from Adam all the way down to you would come about. Now you say, that's pretty incredible, but look at it this way. Exponentially to get to you from Adam, to plan it out and know it, is virtually, scientifically, exponentially uncalculable. You say, why? Because when you were born, you were a 1 in 200,000 shot. And so was your father and his father. And go back 30 generations, which isn't even close to the year zero, you're already exponentially a bigger number than we can count easily. You are one in such a large number of possibilities that you're even here is a miracle. Anything that would have gone wrong anywhere along your family tree and it stopped, you're not here. Anything could have happened. But you are here. You're connected to the first human being. We have joined the line of humanity by being born. We are connected to other people just as Jesus was. We join the line of people. A long one. Human history is now our history. It is also Jesus Christ's history. Because He's in the lineage as well. Spiritually then, and physically, every individual is born into the family of Adam. Every family and every individual is identified with Adam and exhibits the character of Adam. We got his stuff. Somewhere in us, we've got a piece of his DNA. Don't know how much, but it's all traceable. Amazing, but possible. And the lineage of Adam, when we talk about his character, it represents the humanistic view of life. To be in the family of humanity, or Adam, is to be humanistic, to be a human, and to think things logically by a human standpoint. What we're going to see in just a moment is how it's different than being in the family and lineage of Jesus Christ. You see, everyone who is in Christ experiences a new birth, new family, new heart, and becomes conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. Here's how I want to say this. Jesus came to change your history. 
They say history can't repeat, but it sure can change. (laughs) But only if you join up with the history of Jesus Christ, because as Jesus said, in the lineage, he's after Adam, but he was before Abraham. And he was after Abraham, but he was before him. As a matter of fact, Scripture records that he and his father made Adam. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So I want to share with you that to be an Adam means that you are an heir to everything that he has. Sin nature, death upon you, a condemnation. The flesh, the will, the emotions, all the things that went haywire, pain and childbirth. Thank you, Adam. Or, no thank you, Adam. But to be in Christ also means that you're an heir to everything that He is and everything that He has as well. You don't get just one when you belong to Jesus. You get two. Which is a good thing because the first one's not so good. It promises death after a long life of misery and possible ups and downs. Now here's the difference between the one in Adam and the one in Christ. The one in Adam believes this way. There is no absolute truth. Everything is relative. The one who's in Jesus Christ says, I am set free by the truth. The one who's in Adam sees human beings in control of events and circumstances. The one who's in Christ sees God in control of events and circumstances. The one who's in Adam sees fulfillment as life's highest purpose. Self-fulfillment. Pleasures of the flesh. Doing what the best you can do. The one who's in Jesus Christ sees fulfilling the will of God as life's highest purpose. At Calvary, new birth connects us again to the lineage of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 11, it says we're in a lineage that is grafted in. I have that for you on the screen. I want you to hear what's true of you. Maybe you've heard these words before, but maybe not like I'm sharing them this morning. It says, and if some of the branches were broken off, and it's talking about the Israelites who did not believe or receive Jesus Christ. It says, and if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root. The root supports you. Jesus Christ, the root. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. That might be a pride statement that they were broken off for me. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. 
For if God did not spare the natural branches, He mean He may not spare you either when you fall into unbelief. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell. Severity, but towards you, goodness, if you continue in His goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them back in again. Simply what this is saying is that we are grafted in to the lineage of the Israelite, Hebrew, Jewish heritage through Jesus Christ. Now, some people say, I don't know that I want to be in that heritage. That heritage starts with Adam and runs through Jesus Christ. And the only way you can ever receive the grace and mercy of God is you, you as a Gentile and me as a Gentile are grafted in to the promises of God. Why? Because Jesus came to redeem the Israelite nation, the chosen people. And so we have to be grafted in to the Israelite lineage. Now, you say, what do you mean? The word Israel. We, we say it Israel. Some people say it that way. It's not properly said Israel. It is Israel. El is the word God. Isra is people. People of God. To be a godly people, you have to be a part of Israel, the people of God. God has to graft you in because by birth and by sin and by casting away, we're not His people. Israel are the believers in Jesus Christ who believe in God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ whom He sent. It does not mean the blood-related Israel for us, but rather that we are brought in by the lineage of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus Christ redeemed you and me at Calvary, and we enter into life of faith in Jesus Christ, we become a part of God's family. Not as a slave, but as a son or daughter in the family of God. Jesus has grafted us in through the work of Calvary and the resurrection thereof. He grafted us in to the family. And when we belong to that family, we are locked in. He locks us in through faith as long as we live our life believing, living, and carrying forward in His promises. Therefore, when we are a son or daughter of God and a brother or sister of Jesus Christ, we are a lineage through David, through Abraham, and through Adam a second time through Adam. This time through the purification of the bloodline through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ purifies the bloodline because He's before Adam and He's after Adam. This is an amazing thing because what we read in Scripture is that the kingdom 
of David will be forever. That he will never lack a ruler on the throne. Jesus Christ fulfills that. But for him to be of David and born in Bethlehem, we learn that Joseph had to go to Bethlehem for that to happen. God had to craft a way for a carpenter to decide it's a good idea to go there when it wasn't a good idea to go there. I'm going to say this from some experience I had in 2010. I worked for a while with the government doing the census. A lot of us got mailed those forms. We sent them in. If we sent them in, we were all good. If not, they had a list of names and addresses of people who did not turn them in. My job was to go track down those people wherever they were and get them to fill out form. Help them fill out the form. Or collect it if they hadn't had it mailed it in. This process started early in 2010 and worked its way through the summer into the fall of that same year. The United States Census Bureau did not just start this in 2010. They had to plan and train and get everything in line and mail those forms out, get all those lists of names, sometime probably in early 2009. This is with technology and current ways of doing business in this world and in this country, and it took over a year. When Joseph went back to Bethlehem, and we read in the story that she was with child, and he was born there, and about the time he was a year or two old, God told him to go to Egypt. How long do you think the census took? Bethlehem was not where Joseph was from. He went there because he had to. And he had to stay there until he was told he could go home. By the time Herod threatened Jesus and Joseph was warned in a dream, he had not yet been told you can go home. This is about a two-year period. The census is still going on. So he left his job. He didn't want to go. That's all I'm trying to say. He didn't want to go to Bethlehem. God wanted him there. Why? Because that's where Scripture said his son would be born through the lineage of David. And Joseph had to take Mary who was a virgin to bring the lineage to happen. And God had to make that happen. Another miracle. To get a carpenter to go to Bethlehem and work his trade in a foreign city. Different town. And that's what he had to do to survive. Work his trade. So if you think about that with me for a moment, I share this with you for a reason. It's because God did all that to get you and me as a part of His kingdom. That fascinates me. I really like what God did there. That makes us twice connected to Adam and the second time is through Jesus Christ. And we're going to see in the next couple of weeks 
that we were born for this. And so God crafted it. But what we have to look at in Scripture and this morning, I think this is where it all comes down to relevance. Is Jesus did not come for you and me. You can say He died for me and He did. But He did not come for you and me. Scripture very clearly says He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If He's coming for the lost sheep of the house of Israel to minister unto them, to bring them hope and healing, do you want to be a part of the house of Israel? Do you want to be grafted in? Don't you? Don't you want to be a part of that? The only way you can do it is the way Jesus said it could be done through Calvary. It's the only way. But I'll tell you, there's a passage in this same book of Matthew that we're looking at this morning, the lineage. And what this passage tells us is incredible. I've read this passage several times and I decided this week, as I was looking at it, to include this for a very specific reason. It's because it tells us who we are. And it tells us what we need to do this morning. In Matthew chapter 15, we find this happening. It says, Jesus went out from there, and He was under attack by the scribes and Pharisees. And He departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. It's up in the northwest section along the Mediterranean. This is a Gentile land. It's where Cana was, which was part of the Midianites. All people that the Jewish people did not hang around. They were considered outcasts, heathens, unclean, and Jesus went there. Why? To get away from the persecution of the Jewish leaders in Galilee and in Jerusalem. So He went there. And what we find in that verse is He goes to Tyre and Sidon, or Tyre, some people call it, and a woman of Canaan. Now, I could say a lot about the woman of Canaan because the Israelites were supposed to completely remove them from the face of the earth, but here's one. A woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to Him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, I'm going to say just a bit about this. When she comes to him and addresses him as Lord, Son of David, it is not a proper for a Gentile to approach a Jewish teacher or rabbi or anyone else that way. Not supposed to approach him at all. But she cried out and called him Son of David. This is an Israelite Jewish name calling technique she's using. And she's trying to say, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. Listen to me. She's saying, I'm one of you because I want to be one of you. And therefore I am because I'm using the right title. I'm calling you the right thing. Therefore I belong. And he says nothing. Verse 23, He answered her not a word. You ever prayed and not heard a word? 
He answered her nothing. You see, she's trying to weasel her way in into this family of Israel that she has no part of because she's a Canaanite. She's a Gentile. She's a heathen. And it gets worse. And His disciples came and urged Him saying, send her away for she's now crying after us. And I think what He's saying or hearing from the disciples is, do what she wants and get her out of here. She's annoying. But this is what He says to His disciples in verse 24. He said, I was sent, not except, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And there it is. She doesn't have part of me. She's not welcome here. Then she came and worshipped. Mother has a sick daughter. What's she going to do? Say, oh, uh, okay, you said no, I'm done. Her daughter is dying. Demon possessed. She's scared. She comes up and worships now. Bows at His feet and says, Lord, help me! You're right, I can't call you Son of David. You're just Lord. You're just Lord. You're the only one who can. You are Lord. Help me! And He answers her and says something that really smacks of cold callousness, but it's not. He said it is not good to take the children's bread, the house of Israel's food, and throw it to the little dogs. Now you might think of a dog as a ravenous wild dog, but this woman heard it this way. That she has a pet dog. And she loves that dog. The Jews do not have dogs as pets. They consider them unclean, nasty, and dirty. They would have no way of knowing how a dog behaves in their home because they don't have them. They don't like them. This woman is a Greek origin. She understands that dogs can be pets. And so she answers out of her knowledge of the puppy. Not of someone who's been called an insult because Jesus was really speaking to her in her language now. And she answers and says, Yes, Lord, you are correct. It's not proper to take the children's bread. But the little dogs, they get crumbs which fall from their master's table. Said the prodigal son last week, I would rather eat the scraps from my father's table than suffer without him. Do you understand? Jesus doesn't answer her a word because she's not of the house of Israel. But she says, but isn't the God of Israel gracious to let us eat the leftovers? Isn't the leftovers better than anything else this world provides? Can you see that if you'll just bring me in, just graft me in, I know I'm not a part of the house, just bring me in, God. Bring me in however you got to do it. Just let me taste of your goodness. And Jesus says to her, Oh woman, and it's a sincere statement of endearment. He says, You are 
blessed to me. For he says, great is your faith. Great is your faith because you realize that God is not a respecter of persons. You press through to the fronts and the tests of a teacher to the heart of God. You got the lesson, now you get the heart. The heart of God beats behind every word of Scripture. But some of it looks cold and calloused and difficult. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus came in a small, insignificant way through a lineage to bring us into a holy, royal lineage if we press through. Jesus brings in the Canaanite woman. Do not miss this. My priority is Israelite. But a woman of faith is welcome. Abraham was blessed of God before he got the law, before he was ever a Hebrew, because he never was, by faith. By faith we are people of God. Not by our birth or human lineage. It is faith in Calvary that Jesus Christ connects us and we feast at His table as heirs. So He brings the Canaanite woman in. He does not reject her in the same way He will not reject you. So hear this. He says, it's not good to take children's bread and throw it to little dogs. <laughs> and she says, but the crumbs the dogs eat that fall. And when I read that, I said, you know, Jesus Christ was talking about the manna. The manna from God. Jesus said, I am the bread. I am the one who feeds the children of Israel. And she began to see that He was a source of life. And we begin to see He's a source of our life. Then we also can dine at His table. Bread. Crumbs. Eat. Communion. God crafted it. For us. Isn't that something to celebrate at this Christmas season? Isn't that wonderful how he uses that long, difficult passage of names to show us that we belong to human history, just like Jesus did? And here's what I'd like to do one day I'll never be able to do it because records aren't kept to track my lineage all the way back to Adam and then back up Adam to Jesus and see what kind of number cousin we are. <laughs> because we're related. We're related somehow, some way, somewhere along the way. And so are you and I. But wouldn't it be greater to be related through faith in Jesus Christ? This is what that lineage reminds us of.
I want to show you something you may not have known. In that list of people were heroes. There were men. There were women. There were prostitutes. There were thieves. There were kings who did not follow God. Most of them turned from God. But they're still in the list. You know what that tells me? There's hope for all of us. In the lineage of Jesus are prostitutes. Unseemly characters. I think I got a shot. I know you do. Because there are no qualifications but to have faith. And this morning, I pray that that's true for you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank You that You love us completely. That before the dawn of time, You crafted carefully a human history that would run through David, Abraham, and Adam all the way to Your Son, Jesus Christ. And it would run from Adam all the way down to each one of us. And you knew each lineage and how it would turn out just so we could come before you this morning and receive communion. That we could see that you crafted us. As Psalm 139 says, molded us, formed us, crafted us in our mother's womb. And you knew the span of our days and the sum of them before there was even one. Heavenly Father, You knew us before the world began. Each one of us. And You loved us enough to bring us back into Your family through Jesus Christ. And I thank You that You love us that way. This morning we're about to receive Your Holy Communion. Be in it for us. Amen.